0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roped In. If you forgot my voice, I am still John Roper. Uh, I took a Christmas vacation and then kind of life got away from me. I got a bit lazy. Two months later, here we are. Season two of Roped In. Yep, that's right. I got seasons. Uh, It was one of the things where I was thinking, do I want to do this as a continuous um, every week? I have one, but... I know I'm going to want to take my breaks, so I can't say I'm going to have set episodes per season, but I'm going to have my moments where I take breaks. So either way, here we are with season two. Starting off season two, I'm really just going to do my sports roundup. So I'm going to talk about the things that have happened in the past two months to start the new year. Uh, I'm also going to be talking about my Super Bowl review. So it's, it's, I shouldn't say my Super Bowl review. It's just going to be kind of recapping the NFL playoffs and uh, Super Bowl review because part of the sports roundup, yes, but it's also, I love the Super Bowl. It was a standalone event, so I want to give it a standalone segment. I'm also going to kind of just be right at the end mentioning the teams that I think are going to be the contenders next year. And finally, I'm wrapping it up with my thoughts on the major four American sport all-star games just because, I mean, I find that really North America specifically USA, just because of their leagues, are are the, the ones that maybe do it the best or potentially even the only ones that do all-star games. So I'm going to be recapping kind of the all-star game format and weekends and then just going to be talking about whether I think it's even a thing that should be happening, what they should change, uh, whether it's useful, those kind of things. So there you have it. Again, sports roundup, NFL playoff review, and then all-star weekends. Let's dive right into it. So to kick off the sports roundup, we're starting with formula one. So there's already been a lot of exciting news that have dropped before the formula one season has even started. One of the things I look forward to every February is the formula season livery drop. For those that aren't crazy motorheads, liveries are basically the design that's on the car, the paint job. Um, I, I love looking forward to the the different designs. This year, I'm going to be honest, I was let down. Uh, it The cars didn't really change a crazy amount, and there's just a lot of black, a lot of carbon. Um, things that did stand out, I'm going to point them out to you guys now. Alfa Romeo changed to... Uh, I can't remember the entire name. They've got Steak in the name, but Steak is what I know them as. But they've got that lime green. Green's my favorite color. I think that lime green does stand out on the grid because, again, there's so many dark colors. It's the only kind of really green one. Uh, So I do like that. But it it really is just the same old stuff. Red Bull's design is legitimately exactly the same. Uh, One of the ones that I do like is (laughs) really funny their name. The Visa Cash App Racing Red Bull or Racing Bull um red bull secondary team basically uh their livery is nice and shiny has some bright color i like that uh ferrari with the red they've got the color i do like that uh, mclaren's got the orange which is nice but i wish it had the chrome back uh chrome was always a nice touch with mclaren uh the chrome and orange but again i do like the cars it is nice i just wish the color came back to the grid now on to the contract news so crazy things have already happened in terms of people signing contracts with new teams for 2025 before the 2024 season is even up because obviously their contracts are going to run up at that time. So the shocker, the big one, the one that kicked it all off, ladies and gentlemen, Lewis Hamilton in 2025 will not be racing for Mercedes. He is now going to be on Ferrari. Uh, Alex Albon is also moving to Red Bull. So he's moving from Williams to Red Bull. Uh, Williams, the American-owned team, is going to have Logan Sargent. Who knows who they're going to replace him with. Uh, but because Albon's going to go to Red Bull, what's going to happen with Checo? I- I've heard rumors that that Tato uh, was talking to Checo. So Sergio Perez is Checo. Tato is the leader of mercedes so that would be something that's very interesting, watching uh, Checo go to Mercedes. I, I can't say that's going to propel Mercedes. Checo's a great racer, but he's not necessarily a championship winner when you look at people like Hamilton and Verstappen on Red Bull and, and those kind of drivers. Um, I just don't think Checo's in that category, but he is an amazing racer, so Mercedes would be lucky to have him. They would stay in contention with him and George Russell. Um. But what's going to happen with Carlos Sainz? That's the one that I actually don't know. He deserves to go to a top team, but which top teams are going to be? Because if Checo goes to Mercedes, that that fills the top team spot. You're going to have the Red Bull with Albon and Verstappen. Ferrari's got Hamilton and Leclerc. McLaren's hopefully still going to have Piastri and Norris. Who knows? Maybe Sainz comes back and teams up with his with his good friend Norris and McLaren and piastri moves on to another bigger team because he's a young driver and i don't know if mclaren's going to be able to pay both norris and piastri for a long time. But yeah, that's the the contract sides of things. Again, the big one is hamilton to ferrari. Other crazy things is nico horner has some allegations for inappropriate behavior around the workspace. He did some touchy-touchy against some female staff apparently. Now I can't say I know him from what I've seen in the Drive to Survive. He does seem like a nice guy. So I hope these allegations aren't real. But if they are, dang. Um, Other things that were really exciting that I saw in the the delivery updates is you also get a chance to see the changes in the car. Um, You you get to see what the mechanics have done in the offseason. RB19, the Red Bull racing car last year, was Absolutely unstoppable. Um, their their engineer Adrian Newey, amazing. He he's absolutely fantastic. And he's done it again this year. Their side pods have again changed. So those people saying the Red Bull is the exact same car, yes, the paint job's the exact same. So that I'm going to give it to you. But again, those that are racing fans do know that the car itself has changed. Like there's a lot that's changed when you actually look at the details. You don't even have to be a racing fan to notice the details. Like the car looks different. It looks as if they're doing now what Mercedes was almost trying to do with their side pods. So that's going to be exciting to see how it works out. Um, So yeah, those are kind of the big news things that have happened. Testing is going to start February 21st. So that's next week. Really, really exciting. Uh, And then the first race kicking off in Bahrain where you're going to hear Martin Brundle on that track. And you're going to hear lights out and away we go. On February 29th, that weekend starts off. The race would then probably, what, 29th, 30th, 30th, March 1st. Um, Either way, really, really exciting for that one. My take on Formula 1, just to kind of wrap this small little mini part of the segment up, is Red Bull's for sure going to win again. Verstappen's going to win again. I think that that car, that team, that racer, they're too dominant. Um, But here's how I have the rest of it. I have McLaren finishing second, Ferrari finishing third, Mercedes finishing 4th, Aston Martin's going to round it out with 5th, Alpine's then going to come 6th because they've got the racers that are there, Visa Cash App Racing Bull is going to come 7th, Williams will be 8th, Stake will be ninth, and Porjas, you're going to come 10th again, I think. So that's the, the Formula 1 take on it all. Again, you'll see those cars racing on March 1st with that weekend starting on February 29th with practice and qualifying and everything. Other big things that have happened in, in baseball world is just – or in sports world, sorry, is is baseball's free agency. So I don't want to touch too much on it because I'm not a crazy baseball person and not all the moves have happened, so I want to grade them on they all. But I do want to quickly say that I think the Dodgers and what they're doing are, are ruining the – I don't want to say ruining baseball, but they're ruining the salary contract aspects of MLB and baseball. Basically, what they've done is they've signed people like Shohei Utani, who's arguably an MVP, not arguably, he is an MVP in this league, and they're paying him $2 million for the next little while, and they're just deferring his contract, so when he retires is when they're going to start paying him. Now, I get it, it's within the rules, but I don't like it because if they could just defer the contracts, they're going to do it, and... LA doesn't care. They're just going to keep pushing the contracts off, figure out a way to make it work. They want to win now. And it's making teams like my Chicago Cubs not be able to sign the players because the Dodgers are the big shiny team. That's obviously going to win the world series and they're picking up the players. So I think it's destroying it. I, I I've always said it. I wish baseball had better salary contract rules. Um, I don't want to say necessarily make it fair. Some other sports they, they, I, I like that, that there's parity in certain things, but Baseball has just always been ridiculous in the terms of the four major sports in America. And the Dodgers are really proving this offseason to just absolutely ruin it. Um, But yeah, I'm going to touch more on this baseball offseason later on in future episodes. So I don't want to touch too much on it now. I just want to say that Dodgers, you suck. Other exciting news. Super, super exciting news. Uh, The future WNBA number one overall pick, Caitlin Clark is now the scoring record holder for NCAA women's basketball. She, she broke it against Michigan. Uh, she now has, I think, 3,569 points, which broke Kelsey Plum's record of 3,527 points. Now, Kelsey Plum played at the University of Washington uh she she now plays with the Vegas Aces. She's a champion. I think she's a repeat champion or or multiple time champion. But Caitlin Clark broke that record and and she now holds it. Now there's a, a new young girl at USC who I think just broke the record for the most points in a 5 game stretch for a freshman. So who knows, maybe in 4 years she's coming for Caitlin Clark's record. But right now Caitlin Clark has it, but she's not even stopping there. Actually Before I move on to that part, she broke it in crazy style. It was a deep three, a logo three, a Caitlin Clark three. For those that don't know, Caitlin Clark, you should know the name. She's going to be a star in women's basketball. She already is, and she's going to be a WNBA freak of nature star. She is basically the Steph Curry of women's basketball. She is a super shooter. She can just knock it down from everywhere. Go watch the highlights. For those that are saying, oh, it's women's basketball again. If you appreciate shooting, you will appreciate Caitlin Clark. Shooters shoot, and dang, can she! Um, she hit that deep logo three uh, again. She she needed eight points in that game to break the record. She scored the first eight points for her team and hit a logo three to break it. She ended up finishing the game with forty nine points and thirteen assists. She is dominant, and she is going for, and I think she will break. Pistol Pete. Pete Maravich played for LSU. He had 3,667 points. That's the men's record. I think Caitlin Clark will break it. Um, I was gonna sit down and do the math on on when it was gonna happen, but you can find that everywhere else. So you can go ahead and look it up if you want. But Caitlin Clark will break that record. She will break it this season. She will break it soon. Um go, Caitlin Clark. Moving on to some other sports that I love it's going to be the English Premier League. So I want to do a deep dive with my father on a future episode because he's a huge Premier League fan. So what I'm really just going to touch on is updated standings. So Liverpool right now lead the league with 57 points, but Arsenal have won five in a row right on their tail. They have 55 points, so two-point difference. Um, there was a big game between Arsenal and Liverpool a few games, a few days ago where, where Arsenal actually won. So, that was a big one. And Man City right now is rounding out the top three with 53 points. Now, English Premier League, for those that don't know, the top four teams qualify for the UEFA Champions League, which is big money. So, the fourth team right now is Aston Villa with 49 points. Now, that's going to be a surprising name for those that are kind of casuals because you're just used to hearing the same five or six names in in the top six. But... But we've got Aston Villa right now at, at fourth. I think they're absolutely playing dominant. They've got the Jamaican Leon Bailey, who I love. Uh, but you know, they, they're a good team. They're they're not a fluke. They've they've done well. They've done well building the team. They've done well playing. And again, another rules little format thing that I'll let you know: the fifth place team qualifies for the UEFA Europa, Europa League. Now, most people probably do know the Champions League. The Europa League is the The little sister to the Champions League. It's a great European league. It's basically the consolation for those that didn't make the Champions League. Is how I view it, and the fifth place team makes that right now. It's Tottenham Spurs with forty seven points. Man U are seventh with forty or what is that? Fifth. Sorry, they're sixth with forty four points. So they're only three points behind that that Europa League spot. You want to be competing for either Europa League or Champions League because that's what's going to entice the the big players around the world to come and play for your team. So Man U's fighting for that spot. My poor Chelsea, who I predicted to finish third, uh, they're not. They have 35 points in the table. They are 10th right now. They are not going to finish in a European spot. But I'm excited. They're, they're putting certain things together. So I'm excited to see what the future can hold. Um, Pochettino's a great coach. Uh, I've heard rumors that Mourinho might want to come back. So that's really exciting. But usually he's just there for four years and then it it it's a little crapshoot afterwards. But if he can come back and lead this team, that'd be great. Uh, either way, there you have it. That's the English Premier League. Oh, no, I want to say there you have it. I'm also going to mention the, the teams that are probably going to get relegated. So Sheffield and Burnley, definitely getting relegated. They both have 13 points sitting at the bottom of the table. Everton have 19 points, so they're sitting at that uh, ever-dreaded 18th spot, which is the bottom three get relegated, so 18, 19, 20. They are 18th with 19 points, and Luton right now, I believe, has 20 points um, and are 17th, so they're really only one point, I'd say, behind, but ahead, Uh, but they're only one point ahead of that relegation zone, so... It's going to be a tight battle there to end it, but Burnley and Sheffield will get relegated. Now, where I'm going to finish this sports roundup segment is moving on to NBA. Uh, Again, it's where you're going to talk about. I didn't talk about the playoffs. Rest assured, they had their future segment. Sit tight. It's only going to be a few minutes. So, NBA, where I'm really just going to touch on is the trade deadline and the big trades that have happened. Because I want to do a breakdown of certain teams and how I've thought they've done later on. So I'm just going to talk about the trade deadline that happened because that's always exciting. So this wasn't a trade deadline trade, but it kind of kicked off the big trades. RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly were traded from the New York Knicks to the Toronto Raptors for OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malakali Finn. That clicked off the, in my mind, the big trades of the big mid-season trades. RJ Barrett comes back to Canada, and I do think that Emmanuel quickly is going to be a really, really good player. I think he could be like a Tyrese Maxey in a year or two, so watch out. Toronto Raptors, I actually think, not won this trade because the New York Knicks are really playing well with who they have. But this was a really even trade in my eyes. OG Ananobi went to the Knicks. He was the big guy. Presto Tachua is playing well. I don't want to knock him. Flynn's not really playing too much. But and nobody, his defense, has really been what the, the Knicks needed. And it's it's performing and, and looking really, really well for them. The Knicks are, I don't want to say a contender for the championship or the Eastern Conference. But, you know, they're up there. They're, they're a good team. They're going to finish top four. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good even trade all around. Then we're moving on to another big trade where the Detroit Pistons are tired of losing. And they're trying to spice things up for their fans and get things going. So they traded Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala to the Kings for Marvin Bagley and Livers, Isaiah Livers, and a second-round pick. Now, this added a stockpile to what I think is now the Detroit Pistons, where they have Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Stewart, uh, James Wiseman, and Jalen Duran. Granted, Isaiah Stewart's arrested, James Wiseman's not panning out, so... Bagley and Durant are looking like they could be some good pieces for Pistons going forward. So, I think the trade worked out. The Kings got rid of Bagley, who wasn't performing well there. They, they got rid of that contract. And the Pistons picked up a player who's performing well for them. Now we're moving on to another big trade that happened a little bit before trade deadline day. And it was a big shocker. Another big one for the Toronto Raptors rebuild. Paso Siakam. Pascal Siakam Not pastel like colors (laughs) Pascal Siakam Was traded to the Toronto Raptors To the Indiana Pacers From the Toronto Raptors And they got Bruce Brown Some role players but three first round picks I think two in 2024 And one in 2026 So Raptors are really going for their rebuild Uh, RJ Barrett The Canadian comes back Isaiah Quickly Three first round picks for Pascal Siakam and OG Anunoby, so I love it. The fact that they got Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, three first-round picks, and were able to keep Scotty Barnes, guys. Toronto Raptors, uh, Masai Ujiri, great job on the rebuilds. Some other big trades that happened. Uh, I liked Kyle Lowry finally getting his contract out of Miami. Sucked that a first round pick had to go, but both of those players, so uh, players, uh, both of those pieces, so Kyle Lowry and the first round pick, got traded to the Hornets for Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier has always been a Heat fan. Um, I think he's going to be an offensive scorer. He's just got to figure out how to play well with the team. So yeah, I think it's a good trade all around. Uh, Another notable one because I absolutely love the player Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams left Memphis and went to Houston. Houston got, th- or sorry, Memphis got three second-round picks out of it, and Victor Oladipo. But Victor Oladipo, if I'm correct, has already been cut. So Stephen Adams goes to Houston, where I think he can be a a good kind of brick wall down low because Shengen's great offensively, but I don't think Alper and Shengen's the the defensive rebounding prowess that Stephen Adams is. Uh, another exciting one. Uh, Kelly Olenek did go to the Raptors. Why I say it's exciting, it's a Canadian going to Toronto. That's always exciting to me. Buddy Heald was moved to Philadelphia. So I think when Joel Embiid comes back, Buddy Heald and... and Buddy Hield, Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey could be forming something pretty good. If they can add another piece to that, Philadelphia could be coming back into the rotation. Some other crazy news that I heard was Kyle Kuzma turned down a deal to get traded away from Washington Wizards to the Dallas Mavericks because he wanted to stay there and build something. Daniel Gafford didn't want to build it with him. Daniel Gafford did get traded to the Mavericks. I think it was for Rashawn Holmes and a draft pick. Uh, Daniel Gafford was playing pretty well for the uh, the, the Wizards, but the Wizards just, they're a dumpster fire right now, so I don't blame Gafford for wanting to get out. Dinwiddie got traded uh, away from the Nets to the Raptors, but then immediately cut, and the Lakers signed him. So kind of a weird way for Dinwiddie to get traded on deadline day and then end up with the Lakers. Two other big deadline day ones that stood out to me, they're not the last two, but they're the two ones that stood out to me, were Gordon Hayward getting traded to OKC for Trey Mann and a couple of role players, maybe a draft pick. I like that because OKC is building something really, really good. They're the number three team right now in the league. Uh, And Gordon Hayward is going to be that that wing depth that they need. That guy that can play both forward positions if they need him to. And and just has that experience. You say what you want about the man. Gordon Hayward had his moments. He was a bucket. He would have had a amazing season with that Boston Celtics team. If he didn't snap his leg, that was a gruesome injury. One of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen. I was watching that game. I can't say I watched the leg snap, but man, it was something. Gordon Hayward is now in OKC, and I think he's a good forward. I think he's going to help that team um, build something really good. And he's on the last year of his contract. So OKC does a good job just, you know, shedding contract next year, continuing their rebuild process. And the last one was Pat Bev to the Bucks. So, Pat Bev's a guy that annoys me but he's he's good at what he does. He he went from the Sixers to the Bucks and immediately wanted to play. He wanted Cameron Payne to get his physical done so he could get right into that Bucks lineup. Uh I don't blame him. Sixers are kind of I think out of contention for sure with Embiid being injured. And Antetokounmpo and the Bucks are in contention. So of course Pat Bev's going to be happy. But yeah, those are some of the crazy trades that did happen to me. Or oh, sorry. The trades that happened to me. They were the crazy ones to me that did happen. <laughs> right now, just to kind of wrap this entire roundup segment up, I'm just going to go over the NBA standings. So we've got the Celtics right now, the number one team in the league. Timberwolves close behind with number two and the OKC at number three. Celtics, you guys would have guessed, but Timberwolves and OKC as two and three right now in the league are absolutely shocking. I love to see it. Um... I don't think the Celtics are going to do it. Right now, if injuries don't happen, the Nuggets, to me, are repeating. Jokic is too good when him and Murray get cooking in the playoffs. Aaron Gordon plays really good. Michael Porter Jr. is a shooter. They're unstoppable, mainly Jokic. Uh, Miami, just because I'm a Heat fan, as you guys know, I'll let you know, they're number seven right now, so they're... They're fighting to get out of the play-in spot, but I think they're ultimately going to do it. I think they're going to get out of the play-in spot. I think they're going to get it together. They had a rough stretch lately, but I think they're going to figure it out and ultimately finish sixth. And the bottom five teams, I think, are the, the in, in this order. So the last team, I'm going to say, I think are the worst team. So the Blazers are the best of the bottom five. So Blazers, Spurs, no. Yeah. Blazers, Spurs, Hornets, Pistons, Wizards. That's who I think are the bottom five teams of the NBA. And that's how I'm going to wrap this uh, entire roundup segment. That's all the, the, the sports to me that I love watching, and I hope you guys love watching too. That's what's happened. There you have it. It's the new year. So for those of you that were waiting for the NFL playoff recap in the sports roundup, don't worry. Here it is. I wanted to give it its own segment because the Super Bowl is a big deal. Now that I'm thinking about it, it probably could have easily been in that sports roundup segment, but hey, here you have it. It's got its own segment. So most people probably do know. If not, I don't want to say you're living under a rock because not everyone's a sports fan, but it's a big deal. The Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions. Uh, they beat the San Francisco, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers 25 to 22 to win Super Bowl in Vegas. Uh, Pat Mahomes was your MVP and Travis Kelsey was your thing. Everybody, uh, those Taylor Swift fans, Travis Kelsey did a thing. There's a lot of new Chiefs fans, so I'm sure some of my listeners are, are part of that new Chiefs fandom. But yeah, they won it, uh. I'm going to start off with just a bit of playoff recap before I dive into my thoughts of the Super Bowl. So, the the big one, a lot of you know I'm an Eagles fan. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Uh, we sucked to end the season, and we lost round one to the Bucs. The Bucs deserved to beat us in that game. We played like absolute garbage the entire time. So, shout out to you. I like Baker Mayfield. I like what he's doing over there in Tampa Bay. Sucks that he had to beat the Eagles, though. Other exciting things that happened: Marcus Stroud balled out with the Houston Texans, showed that he should have been the number one pick. He was the number two pick to the Houston Texans. Houston Texans. Uh, Will Anderson was the number three pick, right behind him. Who they ended up winning offensive and defensive rookie of the year, by the way. But yeah, he absolutely balled out and and showed up. Houston Texans won a playoff game and and looked like they were gonna go on a run, but then they ran into Lamar Jackson. So I, I always thought Lamar Jackson was gonna win. Uh, Jordan Love was the other, I wouldn't say surprising one, but the one that balled out, he wasn't surprising cause he had a good season, but it's surprising cause some people thought it was a bust. Some people hated the pick, uh, not being a Packers fan. I didn't mind it. The Packers did the same thing with uh, Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they didn't trade up to get it, but Packers drafting Jordan Love, I don't think was a terrible thing. I think sitting behind, I think. Matt LaFleur is a good coach and Jordan Love has shown that he's a good quarterback and it was a good move for the Packers to do what they did. They balled out and showed that the Packers are still in contention. So it was nice to see Jordan Love and CJ Stroud balled out respectively for their teams. But the Lions were my my favorite story to watch. I shouldn't say they were the team that I I wanted to win. I wanted the Ravens to win. But the Lions with Dan Campbell biting the kneecaps, they were the team that I I really did want to win this whole thing. They're they're just so amazing. I, I I absolutely love the Lions. I love the story they had. Uh, underdogs all the way, the city of Detroit. Um, but they ended up getting knocked out uh, by the 49ers in the NFC Championship. I think the first time in a long time they've made the NFC Championship. And I'm really rooting for the Lions to get back there. Uh, but yeah, it was the 49ers beating the Detroit Lions for the NFC Championship. And then the Kansas City Chiefs beating Lamar Jackson and the Ravens for the AFC Championship. Now, I thought the complete opposite. I thought that it was going to be the Ravens going against the Lions and the Ravens winning, but that didn't happen. Uh, so, that sucks. But, you know, it was still exciting to watch the Chiefs versus 49ers because they were really, really good teams. The controversy, you know, let me not get into the controversy. It was, It was a good game. You know, as a football fan, I did enjoy it. It had its boring moments in the beginning in terms of just being all defense, but that's why I'm saying as a as a football fan I enjoyed it because I enjoyed the the strategy that the defense even had. So it was exciting to watch. Those Swifty fans got their enjoyment because Taylor Swift got shown a million times. Um, but it was a good game back and forth. San Francisco and their playmakers did not show up though. I mean, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Kittle, uh Debo Kittle. Debo Samuel, George Kittle. You know, they got no receptions. George Kittle said that when he showed up four years ago when they lost, same matchup, they lost. He was like, I'm gonna be back and it's gonna be amazing. He didn't do anything. Now I'm not gonna say it was his fault. You gotta throw the ball to him, and it wasn't Brock Purdy's fault either, but they just couldn't put it together. San Francisco's offense never really looked like they they were gonna win the game. Um so it was tough. The big controversy, I think, though, was the overtime. So that's the big thing that was discussed afterwards. So for those that don't know, NFL regular season's overtime, it is a coin toss right away, and then the receiving team, if they go and score a touchdown, they win the game. If it's a field goal, the other team gets a chance to either kick a field goal and then go back and forth, or not, sorry, not go back and forth. The other team gets a chance to score a touchdown, and if they score a touchdown, it wins. If they kick a field goal, then it's just sudden death. It's whoever scores next wins. So if team A kicks field goal, team B kicks field goal, team A kicks field goal, team A then wins because it's sudden death. Uh, However, in the playoffs, this rule was changed because Patrick Mahomes kept doing his thing in overtime. If the receiving team scored a touchdown, the defending team also had a chance to rebut mainly because you didn't want overtime and playoffs to be decided by one team going down and get a touchdown. I like that rule change. I, I like that both teams get a chance to go down and score, and then it's sudden death because you can't have the game go on forever. I get that. Um, so I like that the overtime rule does change in the playoffs. The big controversy is the San Francisco 49ers picked to receive, which then led Patrick Mahomes in his offense, the clutch crazy offense, to have the chance to win the game. Now, everybody was saying this was a dumb decision. The San Francisco 49ers didn't know the rules. The Kansas city chiefs did. I think the San Francisco Niners knew it. I think it was blown up by the media. Granted, I do think the chiefs probably practice it more because they've been in that position a million times. And Andy Reid is the goat of coaches. Yes, he's the goat. He's better than bill Belichick. So yeah, with the overtime rule thing being there, the San Francisco 49ers chose to receive, they kicked a field goal. Patrick Mahomes went down and scored a touchdown. Chiefs won. So there's a controversy. Should the 49ers have picked to receive so that they had the chance to answer? Now, where I actually think the 49ers made the right call. Where I say it's the right call, Patrick Mahomes is super, super clutch. You know, he's going to be able to score. He's the reason the rule changed. So he's proven that he can score as the first quarterback. He's also proven to be in this situation, to come back, to do these things. I mean, they came back in the second half of that game. He was on a roll that you don't want him to, to do another comeback. So, I, sh- I shouldn't say you don't want him to do another comeback, but you know he's going to be able to do that comeback. So, in either situation, if Patrick Mahomes starts with the ball or second with the ball, he's probably going to score. Now, this is no knock on Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy has not been in the situation to lead a game-winning drive in the Super Bowl. So Brock Purdy maybe doesn't do that great if he's a second quarterback and has to get the touchdown. So say Patrick Mahomes gets the touchdown. Brock Purdy has to get a touchdown. He now has the pressure. If you go first, yes, there's pressure to get a touchdown, but if you just kick a field goal, your defense can do it. So I think putting the ball in Brock Purdy's hands is the right thing to do. Again, you've got a stellar defense. So putting the ball in Brock Party's hands is the right thing to do. You go down, you get a touchdown. Yes, if Patrick Mahomes comes down and gets a touchdown, guess what? You then now have sudden death ability with that ball. So if you walk down and kick a field goal, you win. So that's step number one, why I think getting the ball first in, in the playoffs is, is still not a bad thing in overtime, because that then means you get it third if it comes to it. Now, where some people say, and Travis Kelsey then said it, you know, we were going to go for eight regardless. So, if San Francisco got the touchdown and and kicked the, the point after for seven points, what probably would have happened is Kansas City would have gotten the touchdown and then gone for two to get the eight points and try and win it that way. You know, they don't want their defense to do it. Patrick Mahomes is going to win that game. So, I see that side of it. But, you know... I think that San Francisco defense is good enough. They were playing pretty good most of the game. I do think that it was where. Take that chance. Again, I, I I've mentioned where I've said it. Brock Purdy should be able to just go down and score. And if you get the field goal, your defense now knows what you need to hold on to. And by the way, they scored, if I'm correct, on fourth down. Like they almost did it. Like it, it was a good game. Like it it could have worked out perfectly for the 49ers. The fact that they lost is why it looked like a bad decision. But again, if they had won, everyone would have been like, oh, good job getting the ball first and putting the pressure on Patrick Mahomes and asking if he can get it done. So overall, it was a controversy. I think San Francisco made the right move. The other big controversy of it all, though, the Chiefs offensive line not getting another hole call. So the Chiefs offensive line, during the regular season in the past three years, statistically... One of the worst teams in terms of holds. They hold so much. However, the past three Super Bowls, including this overtime, so 13 quarters of football, the Chiefs offensive line have no holding penalties. Now, I'm not going to say that's the reason the Chiefs won the game, but come on, guys. Figure it out. That That's just... You don't need to be a crazy person to realize that a team that's the most penalized in the regular season isn't all of a sudden going to not hold in the playoffs. And there were pictures and videos they were holding. It just wasn't called. There was holding on both sides. I'm going to give it that. So that's why I'm not going to say it changed the outcome of the game. Yep. I'm sure the 49ers held as well, but I just want to say call the Chiefs guys. They hold in the regular season. They also hold in the playoffs. They also hold in the Super Bowl. Call it every game they hold, please. But there you have it. That's the Super Bowl recap. Again, Kansas City Chiefs beating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22. to Congrats again for Patrick Mahomes on another Super Bowl and another Super Bowl MVP. He is on his way to potentially dethroning the GOAT Tom Brady. So, wrapping up the first episode of Season 2, I'm going to be talking about the All-Star Game situation going on in North American sports. So, those that are true fans are very differently opinionated on this. Some absolutely hate the All-Star weekend and find it a gimmick. Some love it and don't mind it at all. So, before I really dive into my opinions, I'm going to... actually. I'll try and do it in a both of the same way. I I like the all-star weekends. I'm going to leave it at that. So all-star weekends in baseball, football, sorry, baseball, basketball, and hockey all happen mid season and football does it after the season. Now, I actually don't mind it being mid season. So I think that that football could potentially flip it to mid season. Granted, because they only play 16 games, I understand why they don't. It's tough to judge an all-star after eight games of football. So, you know what? Now that I think about it, it's okay that NFL does it at the end. Uh, Where I want NFL to change it. So, again, basketball, hockey, and baseball do it mid-season. It's their mid-season break. So, this is one of the reasons why I like the all-star break is it gives them a chance to rest. It's their vacation mid-season. So, everyone says they don't need a vacation. They're getting paid millions of dollars to do what they do. It's still work. So... Imagine you showing up to work, you're you're busting your butt for a few months and, and you just want to relax with your family, take that time off. You know, I wouldn't say every day they're working, but I'd say six out of seven days during the season, they're they're locked into the season. Um, whether it's in traveling or at home in practice or just doing those certain things in games, you know, they play a lot. So you're doing a lot of things and it's a very demanding season. You're going to want your vacation. You're going to burn out. So I like that. There's just that break because picture it in your job that you're busting your butt for a five to six month period. And you can't take any break during that period. Now, don't get me wrong. You're also getting six months off. So yes, that's great. I wouldn't say six months off. You're also practicing, but you know what I mean? Uh, I like that for that reason. It's it's a good break for the players to just relax with their family. Uh, I also like it for the reason of just being an all star. So, it's the individual award that everyone wants to go for. You want to know: Are you one of the best people in your team? Are you? I'm sorry, in your league, in your sport, are you one of the greatest players to be playing? Today, and also you want to be of all time. But are you one of the best people? Are you one of the reasons people buy the tickets? Are you one of the people that people buy the jerseys of? Um, I love that idea. And I love putting it in the fans. However, I want some of the voting to change. So, all-star voting happens with fans, but it also happens with the league. I think it really should be a committee of, you know, sports analysts and people. So, people like Stephen A. Smith... Yeah, he's a fan, but he knows basketball and he's not going to be judgmental. Um, where I find the, the fan voting is there's judgmental things in terms of they might not be the best player, but social media loves them, so they're going to get voted into the All-Star Game. Now, I get the All-Star Game is a gimmick. You're doing it for the fans, so let the fans watch who they want to watch. But again, because it's that award for the best of the best in the in the sport, in the league... I think it should be voted on by people that are not going to be voting with their heart and they're going to be voting with their mind. So I like it for those reasons. So let me break it down a little bit. The NFL, uh, their all-star is called the Pro Bowl. Um, It happens between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Now, where I want this to change is I actually want it to be end of the season. Because of it, Super Bowl players do not show up to the Pro Bowl because obviously you do not want your player getting injured in the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl. So I actually want the Pro Bowl to happen afterwards. Why it happens in between is probably they like the two-week stretch between the conference championships and the Super Bowl to give the teams enough time to prepare, to travel, to do all the Super Bowl antics midweek. I get the two-week break. They probably they, they throw something in the middle to, to keep you entertained. So that's where the Pro Bowl is probably there. But I think it should be after because I think people in the Super Bowl should get their chance to be in the in the Pro Bowl. Um, They should get their chance to, to ball out there with their friends and have fun. And, and get that honor of competing in front of the fans and, and being on the Pro Bowl roster. So yeah, that's where I would change NFL if I worked for it. I would put it to after the Super Bowl. Uh, it's tough to say after, cause most players are probably wanting to just get home, but remember it is fun for them. Like it's a, it's probably an expenses, but pay- yeah, like they're probably spending a decent amount of money themselves, but the NFL is doing a decent amount of expenses for them. They get to have fun with their friends. Charity is a big thing into it now. So, you know, I like the idea and I think it should be afterwards. So what the pro bowl does and how their weekend works is they have their, their skill events. Most also, you know, I'm not going to say most. Every all-star weekend has their skill events, and then they have their main game. So, obviously, the skill events are specific to the sport, and the main game just votes on those best players at certain positions in the league to form these all-star rosters that go head-to-head to say, ha, we're the best this year, guys. Um, some do it by conference, some just do it by overall voting. I like the idea of overall voting. Um, actually you know what, I'm going to change my idea on that. I don't mind the conference side of it, and I'm going to explain why. So baseball, I think, has it somewhat right in terms of the winner of the All-Star game decides who's going to be home turf for the finals. So I also like the idea of whoever the number one team is in the league deserves to have the home team finals. But where I like the little added touch, maybe it's not fully thought through, but where I like the little added touch that baseball does is it makes the AL All-Star game somewhat meaningful for the players. So that's where I like the idea of it being conference-based, not just overall fan vote-based. I like the idea of the conference so that the winning conference is the home team for the finals. It gives the All-Star something to to actually mean for the players. They're actually going to want to compete. Because most of the time the all-stars are on the good teams and you're going to want the the good teams are obviously going to want home, team adva- home court advantage in the finals. Now, where I can also see a downfall now that I'm thinking it through is there are all-stars on teams that really are not in finals contention. Now, are those players really going to try hard if home court advantage doesn't mean anything to them? Probably not as much as somebody that does. So, I can see certain players getting a little upset that way but again my overall take i like the idea of conferences because i like the idea of the winner winning the home court advantage in the finals so again where i I wanted to start with the nfl um i took the segment because i wanted to say there were skills competitions and the game is the nfl does precision passing dodgeball Uh, Best Catch, they do a golf segment now, they do a a Madden event, there's an obstacle course, there's Tug of War, so many fun events. I actually love the events that the Pro Bowl does, it seems like it's a lot of fun for the players. I can't say it's necessarily fan-specific, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think these games are also really meant for the players, so... At my work, I can't say we've necessarily done crazy retreats, but we do certain meetings where they send us out of the branch and they do certain fun things, team building things, and I like that idea. So I like that the NFL does those things with the players that you can just muck around and have fun with your friends. Um, So those are certain events that they do, and then finally their Pro Bowl has changed from a padded event to just 7v7 flag football. Uh, This year they changed up the format a little bit as well, so I like that they're they're making changes to to All-Star Weekends. And the NFL did a NFC versus AFC. So they did the conference thing that I liked. NFC was coached by Eli Manning. AFC was coached by Peyton Manning. And it was... uh, NFC won 64-59. But it was a cumulative. So every event... So the precision passing, the dodgeball, the obstacle course, all those ones that I mentioned, was NFC versus AFC. So it was All-Star voted, but the teams were, again, voted... For the teams that played in the NFC and the teams that played in the AFC. I'm being very redundant here. Um, and they scored points for how they placed in the positions. And then overall the points in the score of the game. So, again, NFC won 64-59 to end the weekend. I actually liked it. Yeah, the competition necessarily isn't there. But it was just fun to watch the players kind of dick around and, and, and just... Have fun with their friends and and show out for the fans that did enjoy what they got. Um, I like the NFL Pro Bowl weekend. I like that they're making the changes. I like that they're adding in the competitions. One of the ones that was a bit gimmicky that they kind of have in the precision passing, but I did like to see was the long throw. So if that could come back, granted, maybe Patrick Mahomes would. Actually, Josh Allen would give Patrick Mahomes a run for his money too. But yeah, that's the NFL side. NHL uh, I don't know all the ones but they do have fastest skater hardest shot they have a sk- stick handling a passing a shooting accuracy those are the skills competitions they have um, not being a crazy NHL fan I-, I don't watch it a crazy amount of times but when I do those events they're fun to watch um, and I I do like the tweak that they made and and I'm gonna say I, I want all I want all of them to do it this way so instead of being a 2v2 event, they actually had four all-star teams. So they were they, it was now a tournament. So instead of just being one all-star game, it was four teams playing three games. So one plays one, one plays one, the two winners play another. Sorry, one plays four, two plays three, then the winners play each other, if that makes it easier. The format was two 10-minute periods with three-on-three play. Um, in this four-team bracket. Now, it had Team Austin Matthews beating Team Connor McDavid 7-4 to in the finals of this event. So, shout-out Team Matthews. Um, I absolutely love that event because, one, it adds a little bit more all-stars to it because you have a bit more teams involved. Um, I like opening the idea up to voting more people in. Because there's always people that get snubbed. Granted, yes, more people get in. There's still going to be more people that get snubbed. But I like it because it's it's a bit of a tournament. And it's just, you know, it takes away from just the overall game. You know, it's just, it's a bit more fun on that final day, wrapping up the weekend and, and giving the players something to fight for. Now that I think about this, this bracket doesn't necessarily go with my conference situation. Er, yeah, it does. The two West teams play each other. The two East teams play each other. And then East versus West gets it. So that's how you do it. You you want to compete because you want to be the all-star that does it. And then add in the charity aspect. There you go. That's it. Add in the charity aspect. So when you win, you also get a lot of money donated to your charity. So that's why you want to be the winning team in your conference for the all-star weekend. Boom. I'm a genius. You can pay me later, sports leagues. Um, but that wasn't how NHL did it, uh, The NBA All-Star Weekend is currently happening depending on when you're listening to this or had just happened. So I'm recording this pre-All-Star Game, so I don't know who won that game. But I'll talk about everything else. The Friday night is the Celebrity Game and the Rising Stars. The Rising Stars copied the similar format of NHL where they did a four-team bracket of, of champions. Now where I like is they added in G League. They had a G League team that competed in this bracket, and they actually made it to the finals, but they lost. Um, uh, Either way, it it was a a fun little thing that they added to the Rising Stars. Rising Stars, for those that don't know, are just usually, as the name comes up, is the first and second year players that are just going to be taking over the league. Then they came to the Saturday night where they had the Skills Challenge. Now, this is where I actually like that the NBA changed it up. Now, it's going to be gimmicky. I do know that uh, those true NBA fans are going to hate it because they don't try. But remember, it's just for the players to have fun. It's their time off. They're dicking around with their friends. So I truly don't mind it. To me, it was fun and enjoyable to watch. I I had my enjoyment last night. But the skills challenge, they changed it up. So they had an obstacle course, a passing course, a shooting course. And then if that was all tied at the end of it, they had a half-court shot. So, they had three teams competing. So, it was three teams and three competing. It was uh, three G-Leaguers, if I'm correct. Was it G-Leaguers? No. I'm silly as all hell. It was three All-Stars. So, people that were competing in the All-Star game today, uh, which today I'm recording it. Uh, Then it had three players from the Indiana Pacers because Indiana was the host nation. (laughs) Sorry, the host city. And then it had three players that were former first round or former first overall picks. So they all competed against each other again in those four categories, the obstacle, the passing, the shooting, and then if it came to it, the half court shot, and it did come to the half court shot and it was the Indiana Pacers that won it all. Then there was a the three point contest. I actually really like the three point contest, um, Yes, the, the scoring record is going to go up because they've added these money ball baskets and these starry three-point shots. Um, but I like that they're making the changes. I, I like that it's going up. I like what they do with the three-point contest. Um, and Damian Lillard was a back-to-back champ. He won it last time. The first time a back-to-back champ since Jason Capono back in like 2006 for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and then right after that, before the dunk contest, they had... They... uh <laughs> Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu, or Ionescu, in their own three-point shootout. Now, for those that don't know, Sabrina Ionescu holds the record for the most points in a three-point shootout in the WNBA and NBA combined. So she is the greatest shooter in a three-point contest All-Star Weekend. So she went against Steph, who held the men's record. They wanted to do a shootout, see who was the best shooter. Steph ended up winning with a score of 29, So Sabrina had 26, Steph had 29. Sabrina would have actually won if she was in the uh, men's category, just so you know, because Dame won it with a 26 in the finals. um, And Steph scored a 20, I mean, uh, Ionescu scored a 26. So that was really fun to watch where I actually watching that hope that they do make a small change is open the three point contest. They mentioned it in there and I'm open to it. Have the four best men shooters versus the four best women shooters? Because could you imagine next year's three-point contest having Yanescu, Caitlin Clark, and the next two best shooters in the WNBA? That would be super awesome to watch. Um, maybe even throw in Paige Buckers, who's actually going back to uh, UConn. So now that I think about it, she cannot be in the All-Star game because she's in a amateur division at that point, NCAA. But the NBA All-Star Weekend wrapped up with the dunk contest where Mac McClung, out of the G League, my eyes, was the only one that really showed up and tried to do something with it, and he won. The dunk contest went back to their format of each dunker having two dunks in the first round, and then the top two get two dunks in the second round. I don't mind that format. I liked it. Um, but I want stars to come back. I can't say the format needs to change. It's just stars need to come back to this thing. Um, if, if, if this is going to get... Uh, uh, resurrected. So I'm not a Celtics fan. And those of you that have listened to this podcast, know I'm not a Celtics fan, but I give credit to Jalen Brown for showing up because he's an all-star that showed up to the dunk contest. And it's, it's just exciting to watch. So my dream dunk contest that I think would put on a show, Aaron Gordon, Zion Williamson, Anthony Edwards, and Zach Levine. Now, if those people showed up to a dunk contest, it would get the recognition back that it deserves. Now, Aaron Gordon's probably never going to show because he was robbed twice. Yep. I'm going to say it. He was robbed twice. He should have won both times. Uh, But that's how the NBA all-star weekend works. Now the MLB all-star weekend really has the home run derby and the all-star game. That's the only ones that I know. Now, what I would also add in is the hardest pitch and potentially like fielding accuracy throws. So throw that into the home run derby weekend. So do it a similar way that NBA does it, where you start off with the hardest pitch. Then you go on to the, the accuracy where it could be catchers making the most accurate target throws to a a pickoff at second base, or you do outfielders chucking it all the way to home base to, to stop a runner from scoring. So you do those kind of accuracy things. And then again, you just do who's the hardest pitcher. It's like the hardest hitter in, uh, in the hockey weekend for hardest shooter. Do a hardest pitcher. Which guy can chuck at the fastest? Is it a this Chapman? Who knows? I don't think it's him anymore. But adding that, those kind of skills events in could be a cool thing. And then where I really think that baseball could benefit because they, they rotate players so often and the way the baseball is played is they really could do the four-team. So do a four-team and instead of doing a nine-inning game, do maybe three-inning games. And hell, maybe they can even bounce it up to six teams or something like that. But you have uh, three inning games and yeah, you just got the pitchers and the hitters and you're you're, you're playing your game and it's a tournament. So there are all the different all-star weekends for those that don't know. And my take on it all, I actually like all of them. What I would change again, change the NFL Pro Bowl to being after the Super Bowl so the Super Bowl players can compete in it as well. And it's truly the end of the season. It's the vacation, the wrap-up for it all. I don't have an answer to change it, but I would change it to be conferences getting the ability to... The winning conference of the All-Star Game dictates the home court of the championship. And donations and those kind of things could add back the competition aspect. Because yes, I don't want to see my my All-Star getting injured mid-season. And not being able to compete in the championship. That would suck. Like Imagine if Jokic gets injured in an All-Star Game. uh, Immediately a season ending injury immediately the nuggets lose their chance of 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 winning a finals so i don't want to see my star get injured but i also want to see some competition get back because that's what's losing those fans is there's not much competition you watch the basketball one it's just basically a three point shootout and open dunks um so if you add some more competition aspect by making the games mean something that's where it could change things but overall I'm a fan of All Star Weekend. Yes, it's a revenue bringer, but it's also, to me, where I mainly love it is for the athletes. It's their chance to have fun, dick around with the players that they probably played with in high school or college and want to play with again, and just have fun with their friends and just overall have a good time. So, yeah, that's my take on the All Star Weekends. Uh, I hope they're here to stay. I like that they're making changes. I like the changes they've made. I just hope they keep making changes in the right direction. And thank you very much for listening to episode one of season two of Roped In. Again, I am sorry my Christmas break was so long. I can probably, I don't want to say guarantee, but I want to make sure that the next breaks between the next seasons are not as long. I I did not intend it to be a two month break, but I had a lot of time with friends and family and just relaxing and enjoying and just not that I I spend a lot of time and this is a job right now, but it was just nice to have time off, you know? Um, So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will be having my episode next week. It will be going back to the weekly episodes Who knows, eventually, maybe I'll throw in that Wednesday episode that I had been talking about. Um, But there you have it. Episode 1, Season 2, Roped In. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, Hakuna Matata.